Hey everyone, welcome to the Attractive Christians podcast where we make Christianity a little less repulsive and a little more attractive and beautiful. I'm Annie, one of the producers. This week, the guys talk about some allegations surrounding famous megachurch pastor T.D. Jakes, and they also talk through some different views of hell and explore the question, do we really understand it? If you love the Attractive Christians podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. Share the podcast with a friend and reach out to us on all the socials or send us a Gmail. Let us know what you think about this week's episode. Welcome back to the Attractive Christians podcast. I am Ethan Renault. I'm Tucker Lamping. And we have two filmers in the studio with us today. Oh. Shout out Krista and shout out Jules. And uh, thanks. Fat us. shout. Fat shout out. Yeah. And, <laughs> and thanks as always to our attractive producers, Mark and Annie. And we love of you silence models. for them. They're still alive, but we just, you know, <laughs> gave them a <laughs> moment of re- silent respect. Um, anyway, so <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> we got a full room in here today, but it'll, it'll probably still just be Tucker and I talking unless Jules wants to chime in or anything. She has a microphone right in front of her in case the urge to speak arises. Yeah. We've got an extra mic on deck in case the ladies have anything to say. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> they said, thank you. I don't know if you could hear that. Was that mic on? Yeah, I turned it up just for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Nice. Okay, well, we got a pretty good show today. They, the girls asked us before you got here, Tucker. They were like, what are we talking about tonight? And I was like, I'm not 100% sure, but we'll just find out. <laughs> I think we are both 100% sure, but they're going to find out. <laughs> I'm, I mean, to be honest, like if you think about all of our episodes, we never know exactly where they're going to go. Ooh, we just a have a rough point. idea of where we're starting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> We've got the trailheads and we don't know where the trail ends. We're just going to walk the trail. It's pretty poetic. See which way it goes. It's pretty attractive. Mm. Oh, by the way, maybe walk it's been a couple episodes. Runway. It's been a couple episodes since we clarified that. We're not calling ourselves good-looking people. <laughs> we, we are wanting all of Christianity to be an attractive thing. It's our bi-episode <laughs> reminder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every other episode, we just have to give you guys a little Just update. for clarity. because there's We're still Christians. We don't think we're that attractive. It's just about Christianity, really. Well, I just love how many comments we get that are like, Oh, you, th- you you think you're so full of yourselves. Why are you calling yourselves attractive? It's like, well, if you stop and think about w- what Jesus's heart was for people, it wasn't to push them away. It was to draw them in. He was attractive, but he also, according to Isaiah, was not good looking. So, yeah, you know, well, that's just it. I think even just according to the fact that he was a human being, I mean, I don't know, he's probably just a normal dude. Yeah. Normal guy. I mean, and not not good looking doesn't have to mean like incredibly ugly. Well, it says there was no beauty in him that would draw us draw us to him, which makes me want to know what he looked like. Yeah, true. Yeah. Either way, we know that Jesus was an attractive Christian because of how many people flocked to, <laughs> to him, regardless of how he looked. Anyways, he was move- an attractive God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was- you- 
the attractive God. Yeah. Well, anyway, should we move on to some Rex? He is God. (laughs) Rex it is. (laughs) Run, 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 Rex. Okay, Tucker, what do you have? Dude, I've been thinking about this for a minute. I've got an (laughs) anti-Rex. Are we allowed to have those? (laughs) This is the first one. (laughs) Isn't that just called our headline section? No, just get ready. (laughs) (laughs) Or just critique things? (laughs) That is a fair point. We do end up in, we do end up critiquing things on headlines, especially on today's headliner. Oh, it's going to get wild, you guys. Just, just get ready. We're going to poop. Um, so <laughs> we uh, have all been driving around the city, right? Have you guys all driven Denver? Colorado itself has like updated a lot of their license plate stuff. You know about this stuff? The black ones. Have you seen the black ones? My brother, ha- my. I, I think the black no, ones are kind of cool, but like, why would you do that? Because you pay the government more, so that's stupid. Um, but <laughs> you know, my brother just has it because it looks cool, and actually wants to give money to the government. <laughs> yeah, true. But think about it: you inherently give more money to the government to, to look do good, that, to look cooler. Same with why you buy expensive clothes. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Sucker's face. Right the government's now. still taking your money. Dude, I mean, my like last two paychecks probably paid for like a hundred other people's abortions. Dang. That said, that was a really aggressive line. Yeah, I'm Tucker sorry. Tucker walked into the room today and said, I'm edgy today. Dude, I know. I had that <laughs> thought earlier. I was like, bro, I'm paying taxes for like random people to kill babies. Kind, well, kind of. You're also paying for playgrounds and national parks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dude, think about the roads. <laughs> Have you seen the Life of Brian Have by you Monty actually Python? Seen the roads? Yeah, I love Life of Brian. That's, you remember that scene when it's a bunch of like zealots who are against Rome, and they're like, "But what has Rome ever done for us?" They're like, "Why the the aqueducts?" They're like, "Oh yeah, besides the aqueducts, well, what has Rome ever done for us?" Well, there is the medicine, and they just keep going on. Well, like, okay, besides okay, the roads okay. and let the aqueducts me, and the medicine and the me clean water and everything, what has here. Rome ever done for us? I thought that was funny, but I'm going to say I'm going to say it, okay? I'm glad you hurt your elbow. No. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, here's the thing. Here's the problem with that. We live in a state right now. I'm just going to throw it out there, Colorado. We just went into a metering tracking system for your energy usage. You know this because you're a homeowner. I, guess I don't every, know this. Even the even the renters know this. I don't pay attention to anything. Dude, that's so, you got to pay attention to this. I only They're read like, rich theology. I guess if you're not at home between the hours of like two and seven, you're fine. But <laughs> it's like triple the cost for your energy between like two and six or seven or something. Anyway, hmm. states like Texas, shout out Texas, even though I kind of hate you. Um, <laughs> what? Why? Well, I just hate Texas, bro. But shout out Texas, Texas. or the Texans who move to Colorado and clog up. Our no, streets. just just Texas in general. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Okay. no, I think that <laughs> you're being real attractive think, right now. <laughs> I'm getting so hot. Um, what? The uh, <laughs> bro, you're coming in real hot. <laughs> I told you I was feeling aggressive. I was yeah. feeling it tonight. Yeah. No, but. With states like Texas, which actually applauds to Texas. So here we go. This is where I'm like, dude, Texas rocks. They actually allow you to choose your own energy provider because it's a free market in Texas. Mm. So what actually happens is you naturally create competition as opposed to a governmental dictated monopoly on energy, on energy. Mm. You pay less on energy because instead of having to deal with one company, Excel 
Big L, um, <laughs> you uh, end up actually saving money overall compared to Colorado, right? Because you're not like fighting to get crapped on from some stupid energy company. Anyway, that's a big, uh, a big long rant about bad uh, governments and all that crap. <laughs> anyway, the big anti wreck I have right now. Oh, that wasn't it. <laughs> no, that was that was my side rant because you got me going because the aqueducts. Um, <laughs> That's any time the government steps in and starts doing stuff. Free market always wins. But vanity plates, bro. I'm tired of vanity plates. If you get, a, if I see one more plate that says F stash 25 or like. Is that what? V cash, bro. Or like Bitcoin party or something. PRT, PRT. Oh, the best one I ever saw was <laughs> I think it was some dude's attempt to do alpha male, but it was alpha M-A-L. <laughs> alpha mall. Alpha mall. <laughs> no, I'm such an I'm so mad at vanity plates. I can't stand vanity plates anymore. If I see one you more know, plate you, that you I could can't just not decode, look at other people's license plates. Have you ever driven a car, dude? You always look at people's <laughs> license plates. Because there's so many freaking vanity plates around now. <laughs> I literally have not noticed or care that much. <laughs> Jules, pick up that mic and pitch in. Chime in here on this. Is it on? Yeah. I will say I did see one that was so tacky. It said, your tithe. And it was either a pastor or a pastor's wife who drove the car. And that was their plate. It said, Ew. your tithe. What no. the heck? Yeah. Who would was like, that promote Brave Church? That? <laughs> 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 Brutal. Or it could have been any church that has like more than a thousand members that you give money to this stupid pastor that probably who, but pl- like, blows money on Lexuses or something. Yeah, who would like? It's one thing <laughs> to take your church, your congregation's money, and buy an, a fancy, unnecessary car with it. It's another thing to put that on your license plate. That's what I'm saying. That's, your tithe. That's so tacky. Oh I my hate gosh! It. That makes me furious. I should like, have shot it with BB guns. I feel yeah. rage. <laughs> we could have all like gone rage. over to it and like egged the car so the paint like deteriorated. Anyway, um, oh, is that why you egg cars? Does it actually affect yeah, the it, paint? Like, messes with the paint. Really? Yeah, because it gets sticky and it like turns brittle. Only and so chicken it, eggs. I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't thrown quail eggs at a car. <laughs> I've never thrown chicken eggs Those at a car either. I've never done anything illegal. Ever? You've uh, never broken probably, the speed limit. I probably broke the speed limit once or twice. <laughs> Have you ever downloaded a movie illegally or a song? No, I actually haven't. Are you serious? Oh, you remember that era where you do like YouTube MP3 yep. and download the song through YouTube, but yep. it wasn't illegal? Yep. Dude, that was the era. That I downloaded awesome. so many MP3s. Oh, Maybe I shouldn't YouTube implicate MP3 myself. Was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wait, you use Napster? <laughs> The government's listening In to our 2005? podcast. In 2005? Government's like, he used Napster. Government's like, Anybody that knows who Napster is, shout that, out. Anyone who knows the real Napster or that reference. Oh. Anyone? What is that from? Uh, the Italian job. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's it. That's it. You yeah. will never shut down the real Napster. Yeah. Was that the new Italian job? That was the Mark Wahlberg one? There's only one Italian job. No. Yeah. No. Oh, oh, you mean the old, old one? Like There's the, 60s. the original from like the 60s yeah, where okay. they're driving <laughs> those like classic Mini Coopers, the like retro. Like, I thought you meant like there's a newer cars. one. But the newer Since one then. is what you're talking about with Mark Wahlberg. Wish. It's, it's like old now. <laughs> it's like two decades old. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, anyway, that's all. That's my big rant. Your anti-rec? That's my anti-rec. One, 
free markets are based. <laughs> Two, <laughs> don't have a stupid vanity plate. There's no reason other than it annoys Tucker and gives money to the government. Well, for one, it gives money to the government, which pisses me off. Um, two. <laughs> no one will ever be able to tell which side of the political spectrum you're on. <laughs> I'm on it somewhere. I don't know where, but I'm on it. Probably dead center. Or like yeah. so far center that like both sides clash. Where ultra I center. Ultra I'm center. Ultra medium. <laughs> I'm so medium you wouldn't even know. <laughs> I sit on so many fins posts, my butt hurts. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's time for your wreck. What, what's going on, Ethan? What do you got? Okay. I mean, you did an anti-wreck. I'm going to do a semi-wreck. Oh. How about that? Whoa. Oh. I'm going to do a wreck that I cannot in good conscience actually recommend as a Christian. But it, it, I haven't been able to stop thinking about this movie. Okay. Was it a pornographic <laughs> film? I mean, kind of. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have already seen it. Saltburn? Did you see that or hear about no, it? No, I don't even know what that is. Oh, really? I have felt salt burn before, but yeah. like you get in a cut, it sucks. Like the August Burns Red song? You're the oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know the song? Yeah. <laughs> they closed with it at the show. It was so good. That was fun, dude. That was uh, a fun show. Shout out show. August Burns Red. That's Jake my wreck. Lurs. All time wreck. If you ever listening to us on this <laughs> random episode, join us, brother. You call in. Yeah. Give us a call. Yeah, give us a call. <laughs> we'll put you on that. 1 800 Attractive Christians. <laughs> attractive Christians. That's it. That, there are no more characters. Yeah. <laughs> That's like way too many letters. Attractive. Co- <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, Saltburn, it came out on Amazon Prime like a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. It's got Barry Keough and Jacob E. Lordy. And wow. what's that blonde lady? She was in Gone Girl and I Care A Lot. What's her oh, name? I haven't watched Gone Girl since it came out. Oh, what's her name? She, she's like such a good bad guy. But she's not, she's not a super bad bad guy in this movie. What's her name? That's gonna. She just me. is a good bad guy. Yeah. What makes a good bad guy? They have to like look really good. Rosamund Pike. That's her name. <laughs> they have to look really good. If you're a good bad guy, you look good. They do because they're so rich because <laughs> they rob people and then they just they're like proper and you know especially Rosamund oh. Pike. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you mean. I've got an I've got a bonus wreck after you're done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll just say I've. I've been thinking about Saltburn a lot. Mm. The cinematography carried the movie Hmm. and it's shot in 3-4 ratio, which doesn't always work. I don't like 3-4, mainly just because I don't like having black bars on the sides of my screen. But, you know, it it works. Like, they shot it really well. It's just messed up. And it's like if you you talk to somebody who saw Saltburn and you're like, what did you think about that one scene? <laughs> They'll know exactly which one you're talking about. So we'll not we'll not go into that scene. No. Anybody listening to this, do not watch Saltburn. If you watch Saltburn, just skip over that one scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, or it will probably scar you. And yeah. you'll have to say that one scene. And then there's like a second scene, oh, which I no. would say is not quite as bad. But yeah. And then there's several other scenes that are messed up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... Weird. Oh, and then the last scene is weird, but it has such good twists. Like, I didn't see the ending coming. 
I'm the type of person that doesn't see twists coming most of the time, honestly. And I just enjoy going on the ride. And so when twists happen, I'm like, what? I love twists, no dude. Like, that's why it was such a good twist. And you're like, what? what? When the twist is good enough to, like, make you say, wow, that was a twist. Yeah. That's I mean, how like, you know it was a good twist. If you think about it, Fight Club has one of the best twists ever. Mm. And it's a pretty messed up movie, too. So I don't know about messed up, but it's such it a good is. movie. It's like... It's a weird movie, but I love that movie so much. Oh, yeah. Such a good movie. But I mean, that's probably top 10 movies, top five movies ever. Same. Yeah. But it is messed up. Like, my dad couldn't watch the whole thing. Really? He had to turn it off. He, what? Because there's just so much content in it. Content? Like, they're always having sex. Not there's really. so much violence. Yeah, they it's are. Like, there's like less sex. Jules in just that watched and... it recently. Really? Yeah. And maybe I'm forgetting. Maybe stuff. you watched it on TV. <laughs> no, I watched it. It's like, I don't know, on the classic platforms. Where was it? Like Amazon or Netflix or something? Where was it? Like the USA channel? Huh? Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dude, people that still pay for cable. Big L. Imagine <laughs> paying that much money. People who still pay for any streaming platform. I pay for like 10 streaming services, so take that, idiots. <laughs> I just watch everything on F2 I movies. only paid ten ninety nine a month for like 20 different streaming services. I'm so much better deals than you are, stupid idiot that pays for cable. My brother and I just pirate everything. <laughs> That's probably the best way to go. What is it? Like those random sites that have like the free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they so, got like the sketchy Shout ads. out to Tucker for the Big L. Uh, Dude, that's funny. Giving um, money to the billionaire corporations. Yeah, dude, dang. I'd rather give money to corporations than the government. So but anyway, they're all getting money from the government anyway. You, you go Salt, ahead. Anyway, Saltburn was interesting. <laughs> Don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, awesome. It was so well made, though. You're just like, ah. That's man. the tough part. Like a really well done film. Yeah. But it's so bad. Maybe that could be a really interesting conversation mm. is like a, Christ, a Christian response to good, high-quality cinema that or has art. questionable content. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cinema. I meant, like, media of any I kind. I know you said a, a cinema, but I'm thinking you're probably going off of, like, art in general. Yeah, music. Yeah. You know, like, we both listen to a lot of secular music. and yeah. And they're all going to hell. <laughs> Which you guys that are sticking around... We're gonna hear. We're talking about hell for the meat section too. Oh my gosh! Oh, Ethan. <laughs> Ethan shared too much. But um, surprise, <laughs> <laughs> the Joker is my like actual or Joker, my actual wreck. We watched it the other night again, dude. Such a good movie. That Top is. five movies of all time. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is always good. That was hands down one of the best movies like ever. Anyway, that's it. Yeah. Shall we? Uh, Good movies, Here's some news. Bad plates. Yeah, you got some news for us? I got news. Headlines. Give it well, to us. Well, guys, <laughs> I'm going to give it to you straight. Unlike Bishop Jakes. Oh, wow. So, TD Jakes. Have you ever heard of this guy? Uh, Thomas Dexter Jakes. <laughs> or. <laughs> That's his name. What are you laughing Commonly at? Commonly known as now. STD Jakes. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of a this is a spit spit roast right here. I'm not gonna lie. Tucker is about to go all Mr. out. Mr. Jakes, you're in the hot seat, which you're probably not listening to us because we're <laughs> we're not as rich as you. Um, nor do we wear as many as designer clothes as you. Nor do we hang out with P. Diddy and go to sex parties. Ooh. <laughs> okay, so T D Jakes. Was uh, actually, this is an, an unverified report. We'll just say that. I'm going to throw that out there here to start. 
I personally, again, I, I hate to jump to conclusions. I think that Christians naturally should like weigh all of the evidence and not jump to conclusions and should probably not jump to conclusions like instantly. However, I do believe in like actually researching something. And when you start seeing somewhat of a trend, we talked about this earlier, actually, the trend, right? You can, I think, come to a fair point where you say, you know what? There's not enough actual evidence to support their innocence, right? I don't know. What? That's my approach to certain like mega time celebrity type figures. So T.D. Jakes, and and I'll explain that in a bit here. T.D. Jakes was just recently ousted as being a part of P. Diddy or by his legal name, Sean Combs, is uh, he was uh, at a quote unquote sex party. So T.D. Jakes is supposedly at this party. People have pointed him out, have named him. I actually pulled a lot of this up from just various sources. One of the recent ones I pulled was uh, Charisma News, which I think they're a little bit more on the, um, hey, T.D. Jakes was, you know, accused. He's probably not guilty. Innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. Yeah. They've said, they, they use the words again, unverified report. Um, accused Jakes of being a frequent participant at sex parties hosted by P. Diddy, a representative from T.D. Jakes, dismisses the claims. He says, no, they're unequivocally false and baseless, right? Classic. The Christian Post reports on those as well, just about there being big claims. T.D. Jakes actually did a sermon where he was like, I'm not going to respond to any false and baseless claims. They basically have just used this whole kind of false and baseless language. And honestly, in a weird way, has been like very calm about the matter, like has not filed any lawsuits. And this happened like within the last week or so, which, okay, maybe there's a timestamp on there. They're not like going too hard just yet. Just trying to like cool it off a bit. I come from the approach at least for like pastoral leadership, if things start like showing up in multiple places more often. You mean like if multiple people are reporting the same thing? Multiple, maybe not like multiple news sources, but like multiple events are occurring. I generally tend to start leaning towards maybe we should start hearing out these victims. It was the same thing, I think, with uh, everybody that was um, involved in like the Me Too stuff. And... Krista just said that she didn't know T.D. Jakes was a pastor, so maybe we should have clarified that before. <laughs> oh, that's true. If anyone doesn't know who he is, he's a pastor. He's not just some random celebrity. T.D. Jakes is a celebrity pastor. Very he is rich. the senior pastor of the largest church, one of the largest churches. Like not behind the largest church. One of the, tr- one of the largest like, church organizations in America. One of, not, not the... He's on TV a lot. He's very wealthy. He wears $1,000 clothes. If you ever need to find a picture of T.D. Jakes, look up like Preachers and Sneakers Instagram page. You'll find like 10. He's always like wearing, you know, Prada, Gucci, Louis Vuitton. Yeah, but so am I. Because this podcast has made me so rich. Ethan's literally wearing like thrift store clothes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So am I actually. But um, (laughs) dude, if they start shopping at the thrift store, they'll find better stuff than that. Yeah. Um, This is something I do want to hit on at some point, which is the um, clothes thing. We'll come back to that. You should only hit on your wife. (laughs) 
this is a super dumb like uh, <laughs> like uh, anti wreck or maybe semi wreck like you had. But that I watched the new South Park episode and Randy Marsh <laughs> is trying to like beat his wife. What <laughs> on the internet? <laughs> he's what? trying to like get more followers and like oh. subscribers as an influencer. So he's like, wanting, he wants to beat his wife, and so like people will be like, "What are you trying to do?" And he'll be like, "I'm trying to beat my wife." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's stupid. So TD Jakes and the Min- and the Potter's House essentially is like this massive organization. The Potter's House has like tons of church plants. There's one here in Denver. Even TD Jakes himself is like very wealthy. He, uh, he started like a, a divinity school, something I did want to get to here. An interesting piece of TD Jake's theology is that he has often been, uh, why am I totally blanking on the word right now? Um, cl- called a modalist. So something on Wait, his, say that again. he's, he's often been pegged as a modalist. Oh, theologically, theologically. Do you know what modalism is? Do I? Yeah, <laughs> I do. I don't know if our <laughs> listeners all do. So that. give a good give a good definition. A good you're in the seminary modalism definition. Uh, modalism would be a Trinitarian heresy mm-hmm. where where God exists in different modes. Sometimes He's Spirit. Sometimes He's Jesus. Sometimes He's yeah. Father. And He kind of switches between them, but isn't all three simultaneously. But there's not like three persons, one yeah. trinity. Yeah. It's, it's like one, one person. God in different modes. He just takes on the different forms. Yeah. So this is from, again, this might be a total sidetrack. I I went to his Jake's Divinity School website. Uh-oh. Pulled up their faith statement. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, dude. First thing on their faith statement is God. There is one God, creator of all things, infinitely perfect, and eternally existing in three manifestations, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the first claim on their theological statements. Why manifestations? Why not just borrow language from the creeds, which have been around for 2,000 years? Exactly. Huh. Well, that's where it gets kind of sketchy because you're like, wait a minute. And then he goes on different things. He got like grilled by Furtick once, which props to Furtick for grilling him on the Trinity. Wasn't that a long time ago in the elephant room? Yeah. Yeah. You remember the elephant room? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about the elephant room. But um, in the elephant room, he was like, no, no, no. You know, one God, three persons. But then on his school of divinities, he goes with eternally existing in three manifestations. What a chode. (laughs) Please listen to this, Mr. Jakes. We want to hear your feedback. Um, We're mature here. <laughs> I mean, here's what I will say. I don't think I don't think that it's immature to make a claim based off of tons of evidence that again, and and it sometimes could be wrong. If you're a pastor in the spotlight, like a spotlight, spotlight in that fashion, <laughs> like T.D. Jakes, I feel like there's almost a required. I'm, I'm not. I don't want to say grilling, but like. What's the term I'm looking like scrutiny in your overall approach to theology, in your lifestyle, in all of those different things. Right. And the pastors that have done that well end up staying out of the spotlight in a lot of these things. And who knows? They, they, things come up. Right. Weird stuff. Well, OK, here's a here's a devil's advocate question. If mm. you're T.D. Jakes. Yeah. And you get accused of being at a sex party and you were nowhere remotely close to the sex party. How would you respond to it. Let me preface that question with one, TD Jake's hanging out with P Diddy a ton and like going to P Diddy's house and hanging out. And that's not a P Diddy no P Diddy is a known like 
pretty debauched dude. We're talking about a guy that like, I guess now it all came out. P Diddy killed Tupac. <laughs> um, straight up. Have you have you not heard that, no. dude? That all came out. Some guy like uh, said that P Diddy hired him to kill Tupac, and he's like the most legitimate what? person to make that claim. Anyway, yeah, but also Jesus hung out with prostitutes. Very good point. But Jesus also had like the scrutiny of everybody around him too. People were seeing him hang out, and they weren't watching him get like smashed and sleeping with hookers and stuff. Yeah, right. So. I think there's a lot more to that than just saying, well, Jesus hung out with prostitutes and sinners. I actually had a conversation with somebody recently where I said, you know what? Yeah, you're hanging out with people that are probably doing like some pretty sketchy things. They're all getting high all the time. They're drinking a lot, whatever. You're kind of partaking. And I said, you know what? Here's the thing, though. If you are in that setting, the at least Christian influence is, you know, maybe you are with them, you know, you're showing them that you care, right? You're around them. You're showing them Christ's love, but you're not partaking. Like that's the influence, right? That's the Christian influence. Are you pulling them up or are they pulling you down? Exactly. Right. Like, and I think that that's a valid question is, is Jake's pulling these people out or are they like dragging him into more kind of just debauched things? There've been other instances where T.D. Jakes has been accused of like sexual misconduct allegations. There's one big one going on right now where he's getting sued by this individual who said that he was essentially sexually assaulted when he was 16 by T.D. Jakes. A lot of claims that like T.D. Jakes has been kind of like sleeping around with men while he's married, has kids. His son has exposed himself in uh, like a bunch of public indecency cases. Um, like on the on the sidewalk or something? On the sidewalk. What? Um, and he exposed himself to two undercover cops in some like weird instance. So like tons of weird stuff going on. Like with the whole family and Jake's has like a big background of this. Like there's just random things coming up and they kind of like diminish them. So you're saying this isn't the first time he's had accusations. I don't think this is the first time that he's had accusations because of the research I've done on the guy. And I've tracked a lot of the stuff he's done. Cause I went to the Potter's house in high school. We had a youth event at the Potter's house in, in high school. I went to, to a youth. I don't know. It was, it was like a camp trip and we did like a, an event there or something. Okay. So back to my question then, if, you know, suppose they're all false. All the all the accusations are false. And you're T.D. Jakes. How would you respond? I think if I was T.D. Jakes, I would want to have evidence for why it was false. And like an alibi for where you were. Not that an night? alibi, but evidence of my lifestyle. Right. So I would not want my lifestyle to align with like this kind of secular celebrity lifestyle that endorses like the party lifestyle, this and that. Right. A lot of people can say a lot of things, but I think about it. It takes me back to like Billy Graham. Billy Graham was so careful about his steps that he would like send his security team into hotel rooms before he went in because like they would essentially like ward off any, you know, chicks that were waiting in there to like have a photographer photograph him and some chick in there to like say, Oh, Billy Graham was sleeping with a prostitute, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, like he was so above reproach. He would try to like actively take those extra steps to like expose his life to everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And say, no, this is the guy I am. Like I, I take these things seriously. Right. So the Jake situation, 
I mean, he's actively hanging out with P. Diddy. He's actively going to these house parties. He's called him like a friend for the last few years. P. Diddy used his media platform to post like uh, T.D. Jake's Ministries things. Like there's a really closely knit relationship there. That said, it goes back to the other events too where things are going down and T.D. Jake's is just like trying to I think actively cover up some of these things. Again, I can't make massive claims. I'm one dude. I don't even know the guy, but I think that there are a lot of pieces that play a part as Christians that we should scrutinize a little bit more. That's just my approach. I could be totally wrong. I could be too critical of the guy, but I feel as if oftentimes in these settings, Christians are too lenient about the matter. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think of, um, uh, who was it? Oh, it was um, the pastor of Hillsong. What was his name? Uh, Brian Johnson. Houston. Houston. Brian Houston. Brian Houston. Yeah. Who he spent s- many Sunday sermons. I watched the Hulu documentary. That's another wreck. The Hulu documentary on Hillsong. It was really well made. You want to be like just sad and depressed for at least a day yeah. afterwards. It, it, honestly, it makes you like Carl yeah. Lentz a lot. <laughs> yeah, dude, I felt um, the same way. I was like, wait oh, you, a second. You saw it? Yeah, yeah we, we talked about this when oh, we were both yeah, watching yeah, yeah. it. But like Carl Lentz actually comes out as somebody who you're like, wow, that guy actually turned himself around. Yeah, but here's the thing. like, So Carl Lentz, and then another example is um, Matt Chandler, when he was accused and had they had proof of him... It wasn't really anything that bad, in my opinion. He was making inappropriate jokes in Instagram DMs with a female friend. Well, quote unquote, inappropriate jokes. Yeah. Um, but I don't think any of them were like sexual in nature. They were just kind of like yeah. bantering back and forth. Right. On Instagram DMs. Yeah. And so his his uh, elders asked him to like step down for a couple months. They thoroughly investigated everything. Matt Chandler stood on stage and he cried in front of his whole yeah. church and he's like I just feel stupid I feel like I've let you guys down because I wasn't like living above reproach like you mm-hmm. said and he cried and he's like I feel so stupid I've let you all down and he t- took a couple months away from preaching mm-hmm. and like to me that's a humble response of somebody who's repentant yeah. and but then you look at Brian Houston and T.D. Jakes they take the pulpit on Sunday as a power move mm-hmm. to to take advantage of this place where you're supposed to preach about the Bible. Yeah. And instead build a defense for yourself. And Brian totally. Houston ended up, ended up being very guilty of assaulting a lot of young children. Well, so, no, no, his father. His father was, and he covered it up. Oh, sorry. What's his name? So that's who I'm talking about. Brian Houston's father. Frank. Frank uh, yeah. Houston. Frank Houston was the, was the perpetrator. Yeah. Brian Houston himself. And they both was, preached about it, about covering oh, it up. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, Brian Houston was like totally involved in the cover up. He pushed everything mm-hmm. down. He didn't let anything surface. It all came to light when the victims came out and were like, no, actually, like uh, this happened. And and there were like, like dozens of victims. There were tons of victims. Yeah. And the church was like found responsible for like pushing all this stuff down. That's why I think you don't see a lot of Hillsong stuff right now. Yeah, so. everyone's been real quiet after that documentary <laughs> oh, came out. A little out. bit quiet. <laughs> but, um, um, but again, I think that that's a perfect example because I was going to go for the Matt Chandler response. Lentz, I mean, he was completely guilty of everything they caught him with, but he came back and was like, you know what? I'm repentant. He's not serving in ministry in the way he was. Well, now he is. He's 
No, no, it's different now. He he's running like a like a ministry for people that are going through like what he went through, like uh, but he's been like speaking sexual he's been um, speaking. immorality stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lince has actually come back around in a really cool way. But the thing is, when people are truly repentant, they don't just get on stage and say everyone else is lying. I'm yeah. innocent. They're all a bunch of wangs. Like, <laughs> right. And I mean, again, this is also allegations. So a lot of this is just people saying these things happened. It's not all proven. Right. But enough people come forward. And I think that the evidence sort of starts to pile up. And especially as a church leader, if that much evidence starts piling up about you, Especially the fact that your family is out of control. Yeah. And you're a wealthy dude. Well, that one I'm I'm like You're making like I'm I'm wary on because right. like I mean remember, you never um, you can't always guarantee that your family won't be out of control. Well who was it? What's his name? Who wrote The Purpose Driven Life? Uh, Rick Warren. Rick Warren's son tragically killed himself. Yeah. And you're not going to say, like, he's a bad dad. I mean, uh, Toby Mac's you know? son OD'd. Yeah, that's Again, like you can't blame that on the parents. You're not um, going to say they're like. That said, though, I, I think that there's a lot of stuff to be said about, like, I think with the TD Jake situation, his son is oftentimes um, attributed a lot of this stuff to him. Oh, yeah. That's tough. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's a weird situation. I, again, it, it's a lot of allegations, but I mean, headlines just, really uh, just that it's it's going on. Just apply the old philosophical filter. If it looks like a chode and walks like a chode <laughs> and wears thousand dollar outfits like a chode, <laughs> it's probably a chode <laughs> in a Gucci suit <laughs> and Louis Vuitton slips. <laughs> uh, well, should we move on to some meat? <laughs> oh, that was abrupt. <laughs> But no, I think, I mean, yeah, we can have the clothing debate another time. One pause real quick. Okay, I got to go to the bathroom. So yeah, sorry about that. Dude, <laughs> it hit me like out of nowhere. I was like, oh crap, I've been drinking so much water today. <laughs> and I smashed one of those Propel drinks at the dual, uh, at the midwife's office. They still make Propel? Yeah, bro. I didn't know, but I was like, whoa, that's a throwback. So what? I drank a whole one and I was like, oh no. Are you sure it wasn't just from like 2005? <laughs> no, it was a new one. <laughs> Uh, okay. Anyway. Yeah, I do. I do have that problem, dude. I've been drinking a lot of water. Well, uh, should we move on to some, what section? Are we well, on? I was going to say, I think oh, you, you got... brought up a good point about the clothes talk real quick here. We could, I mean, that could be a whole different day. Yeah, that's true. But, but, but should pastors wear, I think the most I ever saw was like a $5,000 outfit or maybe it was just a $5,000 jacket. You know, what's crazy to me is the, it's the fact that these like, leaders are so willing to like flex on their congregants and be like, yeah, I've got these like nice designer clothes, wearing $2,000 shoes, all this crap. And then like play it off as if there's some like holy man. It just seems so wrong. (laughs) But, and they often use the defense. Well, it's not from the church. It's from the books they sell. And it's from all this other stuff. And it's still like, well, if this person is leading, if this person claims to care about me as a congregant, and I'm working three jobs and I'm a single mom or whatever to like pay for my kids. Like, does he really care You're still that much flexing about on or? me. Yeah like, yeah. like there's a fine line between dressing nicely. or there's Sorry, there's not a fine line. There's a big gap between dressing nicely <laughs> and a $5,000 jacket. Like $5,000. That's, that's four of my mortgages. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. On one jacket, on one piece of clothing. So, you know what? You know what? Uh, 
you know what the difference between a $300 like Macy's suit is and like a $30,000 Armani suit is? The letters? 10X, baby. <laughs> 10X. <laughs> well, yeah. You have to spend, but you could buy 10 Macy's suits for the price of one Armani suit. Yeah, and you still look good. And you like, still, you look, still look, look like good, yeah. Like, uh, it, it's just it's just weird to me. In my opinion, if you want to have the coolest style, just go to Goodwill. As my mom says, it's every brand under one roof. <laughs> so, I love that. Anyway, yeah, yeah, that was just to wrap that up. Meat time? I think we go to grill some steaks. Meat, meat. Okay, so for meat, I think haven't I can uh, we've had a lot of episodes now. I can't remember what we've uh, mentioned or teased or said we're going to get to eventually. I know that I remember that one person. I think it was Nequisi said that she wants us to talk about the afterlife and heaven and hell. And now we can finally get to half of that. So we're going to talk mm. about hell. And what I want to do is break down really, really quick, super lev- sorry, sur- superficial surface level, the four, I'll call them the four main views on hell as a Christian, the mm. four main biblical views that people have arrived at. Or at least like traditional biblical views. Yeah, on hell. And mm-hmm. honestly, I... There probably are others. I can't think of what they would be, but we're just going to do a real quick superficial rundown of them. So you ready? Oh, dude, I'm always And this is all going to be off the top of my head. So you can see it's just the (laughs) – So if I get anything wrong, then – Just tell me what scriptures to pull up and I'll pull them up Okay, if you need one. Yeah. I, I don't use the Bible. This is systematic theology. <laughs> <laughs> My professor always made that joke. He was always like, this is theology class. We don't need the Bible. <laughs> that's, it's, it's, it's a joke for anybody that doesn't understand that. Um, well, because there's a difference between funny. systematic theology and biblical theology. <laughs> yeah. And biblical exactly. is kind of going verse by verse and analyzing the text. Theology, systematic theology is creating like like broader level structural systems that cohere together. Still from the Bible, but yes. <laughs> yeah, it's but it's more like what do we believe about the person or the nature of Jesus? And then you kind of search out all the verses that might help you build a structure or framework for that. And you piece together a system, which is why it's called systematic theology. Exactly. Okay, so real quick, we'll start with the... Um, the tradition, it's called the traditional view. The fancy name mm. for it is eternal conscious torment or ECT. And it's called that because it is those three things eternal, you're conscious, and you're tormented. <laughs> and so this is the traditional view. Mm-hmm. And this is what most people think of, of course, when they think of hell. Would it be you go to hell and burn for an eternity? Like you're it could burning be, forever, basically? It could be any number of things. So they say, you, you might hear people say things like, well, separation from God is the worst torment or being isolated is torture or you're outside of the presence of God's of God or God's love or God's grace. Mm. And that's torture. It's anything that is tormenting or bad or hurts, <laughs> you know, for eternity, however you want to say, whether you're on fire, whether you're being poked by little demons or you're just like so separate from God, everything's miserable for for an eternity. Yeah, whatever kind of agony you're in, this is called eternal conscious torment. The traditional view. That's like that's just the most common one. I think that every for the most part, like most Christians end up like agreeing on a eternal conscious torment standpoint, regardless of what type of torment is happening. 
Well, I wouldn't say most Christians. Really? Maybe, well, it's maybe most American evangelicals. That's a, that's a, that's a point. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I, I should specify more. <laughs> most yeah. American Christians <laughs> and are Catholics eternal. too, probably. Yeah, I th- I'd say maybe like worldwide Catholics are pretty much on that train. Uh, I don't know what the Catholic uh, stance on the nature of hell is, but so so that's so remember this is really broad mm-hmm. level. We're not getting yeah. into specifics, but yeah, that's just one details. view. Is that you are consciously in agony forever. So obviously there's biblical support for punishment after death. And the the only verse, I think there's two verses that really end up supporting this view. Uh, Revelation 14 is one where it says that their, their cries and screams of agony will go up forever, something like that. Um, because obviously you have to be alive in order to scream. And if you're screaming forever, you're probably in torment. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. It's like the natural conclusion, at least you would probably like the, the easiest one to go with in that context is with that verse that. Yeah. With, with that, that verse. verse. And now here's the interesting thing. If you're going by quantity of verses that talk about the ultimate fate of the wicked, hmm. you're probably not going to end up at ECT. You're probably going to end up at the second view, which is what is called annihilationism. So annihilationism is that you just cease to exist. You are no more. You die. It's just obliterated. Where you would have eternal life, you're just obliterated, just gone. Yeah. So a couple things that back this up. Paul refers to it sometimes as the second death, Mm. right? This is the second death. And there, there does seem to be a clear timeline that everybody gets resurrected. Jesus says this in John 5. Mm. Everyone gets resurrected, the righteous to eternal life and the wicked to eternal or to judgment or I forget exactly what the word is, John 5. But either way, everybody gets resurrected, but then there seems to be a second death. Um, even if you think about it, John three sixteen, the most famous Bible verse ever is an annihilationist verse because it says, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, right? So what's the opposite of eternal life or everlasting life is simply perishing or death, right? So it seems like if you don't know God or have a relationship with him or you're not willing to turn your heart toward him, you just, boom, cease to exist. Goodbye forever. <laughs> you are you are mm-hmm. no more. So that's annihilationism. And the interesting thing is quantitatively, the most verses in the Bible support this view. They say things like Psalm 1, the wicked will blow away like chaff. Yeah, um, they will I, be I no more. One. They won't exist. And it seems like God's goal is not just punish and torture people forever, but it seems like God's goal is ridding the universe of evil, mm-hmm. not sustaining the lives of all these unrepentant people or unregenerate people. So just just to torture them like a kid torturing ants, you know, poking them and prodding them and burning them and yeah, but it's like okay, well, you causing don't want, them agony. Yeah, you don't want to exist within my sphere of within my universe. Let's say, uh, well, then you just don't exist. Like yeah, bye. <laughs> you know, so and and there's a lot of pros and cons to this one. I'd say more pros, honestly, because it, it presents a God who's not mo- not malevolent and like getting joy or glory out of. Hey, let's keep these people alive and just torture them. Mm. But more like, hey, if you don't want me, I don't really want you. And 
And they would also say philosophically outside of God's presence is just non-existence. <laughs> if God yeah. is the creator and sustainer of everything, there is no such thing as being outside of God's presence, which people often say when they talk That's about That's an interesting hell. point. Yeah, because if he, if he holds all things together, how, how is he – because he would have to then inflict that torment on you for eternity because he is sustaining all of that. Yeah, there, it together. there's really no such thing as being outside of God's right. presence and existence. I just pulled up uh, John uh, 5.29, actually. To, um, those who have done what is good will rise and live. Those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. So is that like the New Living Translation? Yeah, it's in, uh, not, not NLT, NIV, actually. Oh, that's NIV? Yeah, oh. um, which, I, I mean, NIV, I think I like they're NIV. one of the better ones for, like, uh, equivalency transla- translations. 529, uh, so let's either, take ESV, those who have done what is good, done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done what is, what is evil to the resurrection of judgment. So basically, the idea being you get resurrected to good, right? So eternal life with Christ, or you get resurrected to a second death, judgment, condemnation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, think about it. That kind of stink. It's kind of like <laughs> you get woken up by God, like, okay, wakey, wakey, time to rise again. Boom. I don't think <laughs> that's... Annihilated. I don't, know, I don't know if that's how he does it. It's like the... <laughs> but I do think that his justice inherently warrants a punishment for sin without, outside of the forgiveness given to us through Christ. Right. Well, I would, I, I mean, this might be my little heresy of the day, but <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like with C.S. Lewis. Like, I don't mm. think that death has to be the last time you could make a decision mm. toward God. Cause I mean, I think about people who have been like abused by their pastor or something. Right. And so your view of God, like, let's say, for example, I'm sure this has happened. Right. But like, let's say, for example, somebody was abused by their pastor relentlessly. So they hate God. They hate Christianity. Or I should say they think they hate God. Really, they, they just they are Jesus. struggling because they've been abused. And then they die young, tragically. Mm-hmm. Right. At what point was that person supposed to say, yeah, I just want to like accept Jesus, you know, like, yeah, because your picture of Jesus was so twisted in this life. And so there's the, the verse, every eye will see and every knee will bow. Mm-hmm. I may have just gotten that wrong. I think every tongue right. will confess. Every, yeah. every knee will bow. Yeah. It's it's a great point because I think that naturally we have accurately. to we have to wrestle with the fact that there are going to people that got, there are going to be people that haven't experienced some like oh wow I've read the Bible and I know who Christ is yeah and I mean there are people that died I don't know what two thousand years ago a thousand years ago one hundred fifty years ago that probably never knew Christ in the way that we would say you need to know Christ to be saved, right? Or at least we as in oftentimes, you know, just a lot of the uh, different Christian circles. But does that mean that they're inherently condemned to hell or just obliterated, right, off the uh, entirety of the planet? Yeah, it just (laughs) makes me wonder, like, like if you're able to get an accurate picture of Jesus, like a clear Mm. look at him, post-mortem, you know, when we're not in these bodies, which couldn't stand to look at God directly. But when we can see him clearly, I think there still will be people who don't want to be with him. Yeah. So saying this doesn't mean I think everyone's just going to get saved. It's all happily ever after because the human heart is weird. (laughs) And (laughs) 
And that's uh, true. <laughs> and and there will be people who are still so stubborn that it's like I'd rather have my own way than God's way, even though I'm seeing Him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. No, that's a really fair a fair point. I think so. Annihilationism is you don't exist anymore. Boom, gone. Gone. <laughs> Utter, you're not held in eternal conscious torment. You just don't exist. So that's the second view. You're annihilated. Mm-hmm. The third view kind of plays off what we were just talking about, which is called ultimate reconciliation. Mm. And so that's the idea. There's a difference between universalism, which is just everybody gets saved and it'll all be happy. Like right away, you just die and you're that with God. Mountaintop theology. Yeah. There's different paths to the top. It's a little bit different because it's called ultimate reconciliation, mm. meaning it might take a long, 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 long time, but eventually everybody will come around to being reconciled to God, mm. whatever that means. Interesting. Yeah. And the proponents of this view say that if you look at the the grand movement of scripture, is it God pushing people away or is it him drawing all things to himself and redeeming and saving all things and drawing them in, right? Hmm. So, yeah, so this 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 view isn't necessarily going to look at myopic verses and be like, ooh, what's this one say? What's this one specific verse say? Oh, well, we can't have this view because there's this one verse in Revelation that says this, you know. But more, they step back and say, let's look at the 1,500 years over which the Bible was written. Let's look at the story it's telling, the direction it's pointing us in, and what is it saying, big picture. Mm-hmm. So that's ultimate reconciliation. Now, keep in mind, this could mean that people suffer for millions, billions of years before finally relenting, before God has worn them down enough or punished mm-hmm. them for their sins enough to kind of turn back to God. And some people might say, well, what's the point in believing in Jesus at all if everyone's just going to be saved? And it's like, well, do you want to suffer for millions and millions of years? <laughs> do you want your neighbor to suffer for millions and millions of years? Sounds fairly like purgatory-esque to me. It reminds me of like a Catholic purgatory, but but like everybody's in it. No. So uh, that's that's the misconception about purgatory is purgatory is only for Christians. Well, yeah, but I'm saying that it sounds view. very purgatory-esque. Like the relationship I'm drawing is like it just sounds like purgatory but with more people. <laughs> no. So – well, so purgatory, for instance, if you and I died according to Catholic – I don't think they hold this view anymore, but according to like middle-aged Catholic – Theology. Yeah, they've changed their. If their you whole and I died thing. and we had unconfessed sins, we would have to atone for those before moving on to. Heaven. Well, exactly, and that's where like indulgences came in. You like pay to mm-hmm. essentially reduce the sins of your family members so that they can get to heaven sooner. Right. So somebody who believes in ultimate reconciliation would say, uh, the four of us, for example, if we're regenerate Christians, we know and love God, we we don't have to worry about this. This isn't like our – we don't have sins that we will have to pay for because we believe Jesus has already covered all of those. But this is more for the people like the devout atheist who dies. I see. They don't want to turn toward God. But eventually there's enough time where they turn toward God. So it sounds like Protestantism with – when atheists die, there's like this twinge of atheist universalist purgatory. (laughs) But I'm just saying that is like a way to conceptualize it. Kind. Well, I mean, atheists, anybody who just doesn't 
no yeah. Yahweh. Well, yeah, exactly. Any, anybody that does, just doesn't know Jesus or, or Christ. That's, in, that's an interesting viewpoint because that, I mean, I think that it can, it can function in like an Orthodox perspective of like eternal life and eternal separation, quote unquote. Right. Where it's not like, I don't, I don't know. It's, well, there's so a couple thoughts. I wouldn't say etern- Orthodox, like eternal life and separate. Yeah. Yeah. You go. Often we think of the word eternal as meaning never ending. Yeah. But in Greek, the word is often aeonos, where we get the word eon, meaning for a long period of time. So this would be a place where word studies would be important. Go back and look at what the actual words used it are. Maybe it's just like a long punishment, (laughs) but it's translated eternal for some reason. I think also eternal... Uh, is is oftentimes misconstrued as in like it has to be that way forever as mm. instead of like like there is an eternity right and we enter that eternal place mm. so like that eternal place could look very different depending on how you approach it yeah um i, I kind of approach it that way as like okay there's there's eternity there's an eternal place so like if we are entering eternity, we're sort of like walking into that eternity, right? It's not like we're standing on clouds walking through gates, but I like to use that imagery in my mind um, because I like that. It's fluffy. It's cute. Um, so, And a couple verses do support yeah. this too. Like you got Romans 5 where it says through Adam all have died, but through Christ all have been made alive. Mm. So it's like, okay, what does that mean? When Paul said all, does he mean all? Or was that a typo? <laughs> you know? But I think also if you go back to John, I mean, even just like the classic 316, right? He sacrificed himself so that all could receive salvation, right? I don't think that's John 316. That's not John 316. I'm like totally paraphrasing. <laughs> I'm, I'm going off of the concept. <laughs> okay, um, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not like, I'm not quoting John 316 here. <laughs> You know that part of John like 316 where I it like says everybody will be saved? <laughs> I, I want to I pull up the ESV for it because I like ESV. Ethan standard version. Heresy. <laughs> yeah, that one would get this barred. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know Greek or Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> okay, passion translation. So, um, no, whoever believes in him should not pair. So I think that that kind of falls in line with the all whoever like everybody's invited not everybody will like make that switch right Mm -hmm. and i I don't know i think that i still sort of fall in line with that approach where it's still offered not everybody's going to embrace that right and that could even apply in that setting where like yes we all die we all come back to this judgment seat christians or people who have believed in christ have like already given that We've already traded places. They've already with traded Jesus. that yeah. position, yeah, on the judgment seat with Christ. People who have not still have to face Christ, but again, it, it doesn't mean that you know you, you don't maybe have the opportunity. I think later on to to accept Christ or embrace Christ. But um, think about this too: if you look at Revelation twenty one, it it's describing the New Jerusalem, and yeah. it says the gates will never close day or night. So why would the gates of the new Jerusalem Mm. never have to close? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because there's still people coming, right? Well, there's still people on the way. That's what somebody holding this (laughs) view would say for sure. Again, but I don't feel like you have to necessarily take that approach. Like it's constant 
everybody's always going to end up there. I don't know. For me, I struggle with the idea that everybody will always end up there no matter what, because I still feel like there's an element of we as humans Mm. still taking that decision point, right? Because again, I think that Christ comes and he gives us this explanation of you believe in me, right? If you believe in me. You know, whoever believes in me, Um, you know, Paul talks about, you know, whoever believes in Christ will be saved. I think that's a cliche uh, verse. So I think it's a a little bit over overused as like a salvation verse. But I think that it still comes down. I think even like biblically to belief in Christ equates to eternal life with Christ. Right. And I would say that that's that would probably be a good um, immediate maybe. Maybe that would be close to where I fall. Hmm. And I'll be honest, full disclosure, I don't know exactly where I fall <laughs> it's a tough one, across yeah. <laughs> these four views. But um, I think a lot of people, though, have this impression that they have to believe in eternal conscious torment yeah. or that's it. Because so many people are like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe in a God who would torture people forever. And I'm like, well, A, uh, have you read the Bible carefully and studied it? And B, you know that's not your only option, right? <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you come to this point where you realize, you know what, like you don't have to have an answer for things that aren't given an answer maybe in, in the scripture. Bible. Yeah. It's not fleshed out specifically <laughs> like Even scripture all. doesn't like give us this perfect picture mm-hmm. of what it looks like. I remember going back to the creation talk. I remember I dated someone once and there was this like, what? I know. Right. Isn't How that crazy? Just jump Isn't from the creation talk and dating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going back to the creation talk mentally. I had a thought going back past that in history, back to the ancient days when I dated somebody and <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> That's okay. Stay confused. I'll bring it back to you. Okay. Um, so this person I was dating, I remember like I was, you know, studying theology. I'm getting like crazy, like thrown over this whole rail railing of like uh, into the deep end of, I'm trying to think of the metaphor. How many metaphors metaphor. are there going to be in <laughs> this thinking one story? Of like How many metaphors I can build off of this? A girl threw I'm you getting, over a railing? I'm getting like tossed into the deep end theologically. Did you get a restraining order? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, no, I like, who said it was a girl? Anyway, I'm just kidding. You said she. <laughs> I was dating this girl. She threw me over a railing. I'm, dude, you can't make assumptions anymore. So anyway, so I go like into the deep end theologically and... I'm questioning everything. I'm like, dude, there's no way there could be like one historical Adam. And like, I'm, I'm kind of going off on this thought process, thinking about it, fleshing it out. Right. So to speak, I'm actually like doing this work, researching it, paying attention to scripture and other commentaries and even thinking for myself through what I'm reading, which granted a lot of these theologians are doing that you just take your word, their word for. So I get to this point where I'm like, there's like no way there can be this historical Adam, you know, and and this is, you know, a while ago. I don't know where I'm at now, but (laughs) I I like I'm throwing it down. I'm like, yeah, like there. I I guess I was still kind of fleshing out. I wasn't like set in any one way. And she was like instantly just like, no, no, no. Like, I don't understand how you can like even believe in Christ if you don't believe there's an Adam. (laughs) And I remember that line. And I was sitting there like, you're kidding me. Wait a second. (laughs) Like, if I don't believe in Adam, then I don't believe in Christ? If I don't believe in this allegorical poetic (laughs) character. And so it takes me back to that because I'm thinking, wait a second. There's so much talk of like, well, if you don't believe in hell 
then obviously you're not a Christian. Like you can't know Christ if you don't believe in like the eternal conscious torment hell. And I think and that it's that's like, show the me most... where that is in the Bible. Yeah. Most of what we believe about hell comes from Dante's Inferno and Renaissance artwork. Yeah. Not from the Bible. <laughs> exactly. So it just throws me for a loop. I'm like, how the heck do people just make that jump? Yeah. Like, okay, don't believe in hell, but like, then you can't know Christ. That doesn't work. <laughs> and, and and people should be more specific and not just throw that word around because yeah. there's 13 different Greek words that are translated hell in our English Bible. Dude, there's true. no. It's not like there's just one hell that everybody <laughs> just knew back in Greece. Jesus and hey, Paul hey, hey. and everyone uses different language. H-E double hockey sticks, please. Oh, sorry. H-E-C-K. <laughs> but uh, like it, they just don't throw away or they just, there's not just like one word that was hell. It's 13 different words, and they were all used for different purposes to communicate different things, and they often weren't, hey, you're just going to burn forever in the afterlife. (laughs) Yeah. Oftentimes, I think it was actually more relevant to this life. For example, like Gehenna was one of them, and that was a place outside of Jerusalem where they burned their trash Mm -hmm. and where the the fire went day and night, right? Yeah. And where there was worms that never died. (laughs) So, (laughs) And it's like if you get hooked on heroin – your life is going to look like a burning dumpster fire, right? Which is one way to understand how Jesus was talking. If I said that to you, you wouldn't automatically assume, oh, I'm going to burn forever in in the underworld after I die, right? I didn't say that. Yeah. I said you're going to – your life is going to look like Gehenna. You're going to have a miserable life. And then you're going to die. It's going to look like a burning place of trash and refuse (laughs) and waste, right? So – like you got to read it so carefully. Anyway, uh, should we jump to the fourth one? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I thought we were only doing three. No, there's Shoot, four. That's awesome. Okay, let's just. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got to go oh, Eastern, awesome. baby. Okay, Eastern let's... Orthodox. <laughs> let's go Eastern, baby. So the Eastern Orthodox view <laughs> is that heaven and hell are the same place. Is that the Eastern view? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So let me explain that. I never looked into their eschatology. So I was like, I I was always a little bit off on the Eastern side, but. So let me tell you uh, a little bit more. So the best way I can communicate this is a story Mm. um, from my own life. When I was seeing this girl, I was really into her. What? Yes. How did you get to dating? (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's a pattern. Wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) I was seeing this girl. And I was head over heels for her. I was all in. And we were really good friends But for two years before that, right? Hmm. She turns me down, breaks my heart, rejects me, yeah. right? So every time I'm near her, I'm in agony because I'm like, I, I love you and I hate you at the same time because you broke my heart and it hurts, but you're also perfect, right? Was that in your bad timing book? Yep. And so, uh, so this, the summer after she rejected me, we're at a mutual friend's wedding. Everyone is on the dance floor that night. It's a perfect evening. Everyone's dancing, having a great time, except for one person, me, (laughs) because I'm in agony (laughs) because she was there and she was looking so good in her dress, just dancing, having a great time. And I'm like making a really angry face for you guys who can't see it right now. (laughs) And it hurt so bad to be in her presence, even though everyone else was in the exact same place. Having doing the exact same stuff, having a different experience than me. So that's the idea is that these people who hate God and want nothing to do with him still have to be in God's presence 
But to those of us who love God and want to look more like him, it feels great. It feels like bliss. Mm. And they also use the metaphor of you put gold into a fire and it gets refined and purer. You put wood into a fire and it gets destroyed and burnt up and, you know, you could say it hurts the wood, right? Mm. So they're in the same place, different experience. And this one also relates to the previous one because I think that they would say at any time the non-believer could just kind of let go and submit to God and suddenly switch. And suddenly you're having a whole different experience of that location. Hmm. So, so then again, I mean, the gates are open, right? Mm-hmm. Still, yeah. the gates of Jerusalem are open. Yeah. New heavens, new earth. Everything's like refined and new. But that individual who rejects Christ is just going to suffer yeah, until so, they yeah. accept Christ. Yeah, it's an interesting approach because, yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't dug into the Eastern side of things as much, but it's so like intriguing. And obviously they have different verses they'll use to back that up as well. Like um, in Psalm 139, where can I run from from your presence, O God? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I descend to the depths, you are there. So it's like we're always in God's presence. But what is that? What is your experience of being in God's presence? Is that I think eternal conscious tormentors would also agree with that verse, though, too, which makes it difficult. They would say God is the one they would say God is the one tormenting tormenting them. people. Yeah. What was I thinking about? Oh, yeah. The the Eastern Orthodox are actually really cool because they're just okay with like mysteries. Right. They're like, right. which I think ties into that, too, because mm-hmm. I, I don't think that the Eastern Orthodox Church would say like, yeah, we know exactly what hell is going to look like. Um, no, or, and just or like us, the they're going yeah. to have a lot of verses that back up their view as well. They have verses, but the Eastern Church is so cool because they're like, you know what? We don't know. Yeah. But like, we're kind of cool with that. <laughs> well, I will also say an, uh, one of my favorite quotes from my professor this past semester. Yeah. He says, we can only claim mystery on the far side of investigation. Mm-hmm. You can't just be like, well, I don't know anything about the Bible. It's all mystery. It's all cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good stipulation. You, you got to earn the right to call mystery <laughs> on something. You have to earn the right because you can't just be like. I'm not going to look into this and just say it's a mystery because I'm too lazy to care about yeah. this because that's just stupid. Right. <laughs> um, right. But if you've done the work of researching and like investigating and caring enough to determine that you don't know, mm-hmm. like I think I've, I don't know, at least you've probably experienced that studying theology. Yeah. What What my experience has been is. I'll, I'll study things, I'll reach a point, and I'm like, okay, at this point it becomes mysterious. And then I take another class and go further. Yeah. And, like, the boundary moves a bit. And it's like, okay, now here is where things are mysterious. And then you keep learning more and it kind of grows. Kind of shifts and a little bit, right? Vernon Grounds, the founder of Denver Seminary, had another good quote where he said, as the island of my knowledge grows, so too does the shoreline of my questioning. Hmm. It's like the more you know, the more questions you get to have. But you don't just get to stay at a tiny little island and say, everything's a mystery. I don't know. Well, because so. that's just so uneducated. Ignorant is the word. It's so it's so ignorant. That's like. Or lazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's like being like, hey, I'm not I'm not ever going to be like athletic because I can't work out ever. It's just a mystery <laughs> why I'm not fit. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> it's like, OK, you probably just have to like put in some work and yeah, like, do like, the actual put the effort in. Yeah. You know. Well, no one can know it. Well, yes, I better not study I'm it. Just big boned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 
There's a lot more we could talk about with hell, but I just want to do a real quick rundown of that superficially, like, 30,000-foot yeah. view. That is that is the big, big view, but it's still so, like, oh, I guess Yeah, so I guess a couple <laughs> things that I'd wrap up with is, one, the Bible is not clear about which view it is. And if we were meant to have a crystal clear picture of what hell is and what it's like, then I think that it would have told us. God would have told us. Jesus would have told us. <laughs> but but it doesn't. It it yeah. gives hints at it and not exactly a, here's what it is. And that to me, that means that we don't have to know. We don't have to have it figured out. But what I do know is it's better to know God than to not. <laughs> it's yeah. better to obey than to not. It's better to love Jesus than to not. I think that that's a good assessment of it. Like mm-hmm. there is that point where you reach, wait a minute, I've assessed everything. I've assessed all these viewpoints. I've assessed all these passages of scripture and I can reasonably say like, yes, it is better to know Christ than to not. It is, you know, much more of like a visceral spiritual experience in my life to know Christ and like no eternity and Uh, experience that kind of love, but I'm not going to find some like hard set answer, hard, hard and fast. Like if it was in there, it wouldn't be a conversation for 2000 years. (laughs) Oh, entirely. That's just it. And I think that Christians really like to ignore the things that are crystal clear in the Bible, like loving the poor, taking in the (laughs) refugees, the orphans, the widows. (laughs) It's like, well, those are pretty crystal clear. And yet we don't really want to get into that stuff. So, cause that'd be uncomfortable. <laughs> we don't want to get rid know, of our $5,000 suits. <laughs> my, but... uh, my, I was just going to say <laughs> my Louis Vuitton bag says yeah. different boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we can wrap it up there. Honestly, I think this might be a good ending point because there's probably, hopefully people have a lot of questions. And we want to hear what your questions are because like we did like a two week discussion on this with the group I lead and we went way more in depth and I'm sure that people have a lot of questions and we would love to hear those. So shoot us a DM. Yeah. Hit us with an email. Gmail us. Really long Gmail. I've been saying Gmail us from the beginning and no one ever (laughs) thinks it's funny. I think it's really funny. (laughs) I do too. I love it. (laughs) Do you remember Google Hangouts in high school? We just sit in like a Google chat room and hang out. It's so stupid. Gmail Um, us. That's awesome. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Attractive Christians. Yeah, because it'd be cool if you had a lot of questions come up from this. Like, well, what about this verse? Or, well, how does this view address such and such? You know, stuff like that. Well, that's just the cool part about it. Mm -hmm. It it, it requires, it almost warrants a deeper conversation. It totally does. Yeah. Mm, So I love that. And Tucker, somebody did Gmail us. Um, Shout out to Alan Black. Thanks for the email. Um, He wrote us a a long email. I love this opening line. (laughs) Hey, guys, love the podcast so far. I never really LOL at anything when I'm by myself listening in the car. But this is epic. Ethan dogging poor Tucker over his raw milk had me raffle coptering. (laughs) Raffle coptering. I know. (laughs) Rolling on the floor. Coptering. Coptering. Hmm. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, anyhow, love the discourse and topics that have been discussed. I have a question that may or may not be podcast worthy, but I was curious on your all's opinions on John Chow. He is or was the American missionary who was killed when trying to evangelize to the North Sentinelese people. I remember when that happened. Me too. That was uh, 2019, I want to say. Could 2018, be I think. Yeah. Something, somewhere around there. I watched the documentary by National Geographic on Disney+. Plus. It seemed to come at it from a more of a secular perspective. They did interview present-day Christians and also people who have stepped away from the faith. Anyhow, I guess I'm curious on your all's thoughts on the John Chow situation and how the American church in general can be better mission-minded. Thanks, Big Al. I feel like um, us Christians uh, – Oh, yeah, keep going. <laughs> I was going. just swallowing. <laughs> I feel like us Christians in America can so quickly fall into complacency, mm. me totally being one of them. I feel that we are in need of a reminder of who Jesus is and what he calls us to do. So, yeah, thanks again. And maybe this will at least spark something that could be productive to discuss. Um, mm. Thoughts on John Chow? Yeah. I do remember when that happened. I had a lot of thoughts when it happened. I think I immediately felt like a kind of sadness, like, dang, that sucks. And then as I, and again, this is 2018 Tucker. So I was going through a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I immediately transitioned to more of like a, like dog, why would you even do that? Like you knew they were, I think the common sense thing kind of stepped in for me where I was like, why would you just like, you knew they were like an uncontacted tribe. You knew that they killed everybody that went near them, but you like still sailed out there. And now I think the Tucker now is like, wait a minute. Okay. I totally think that those people need to be reached too. Also that, that there is a common sense thing there too. <laughs> I don't know. Well, so I, how would you, um, well, I will say too, I, I did a little bit of looking into this when it happened that he like quarantined himself for two weeks beforehand to make sure he didn't have any diseases or sicknesses no or anything. I didn't know that. Like he was, he was not dumb in how he went to, about it. Yeah. He was very conscientious of like these people could have diseases or I could give them a disease if they're not vaccinated mm-hmm. for certain things or they're whatever. So he kind of went through everything he possibly could to do it. So I think his heart was really in the right place. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't put that and a, I, anywhere else. I would say he's like yeah. definitely And he was right a YWAMer things. too. And I don't know, like, if you ask me, like, how would you reach the Sentinelese people? I don't know. That's like, a tough talk. Yeah. Really tough. Because at this point in history, no matter how you spin it, it might look like colonialism. Yeah. Like it might come across that way. Like, hey, let's just get five people instead of one and let's just go on to their island and <laughs> right. But yeah, that's a really, really tough question. I'd have to put more thought into it before I had a cohesive answer. Yeah. I think that I agree with that. It's at least now, like people take that such a bad way, even though it's like just evangelism, which I don't disagree with his approach of like or maybe not. Here's what I'll say. I think that there is a common sense factor though, too. Like he knew that they were going to be kind of a, he knew that they were uncontacted. He knew that they were fairly aggressive. He knew there was a risk. He knew there was more of a risk than, you know, not going. And he got killed like, 
gosh, like 20 feet off the shoreline or yeah, something. He didn't Basically, even make it. he like stepped, he stepped foot out of the boat and like got hit with an arrow or like a bunch of arrows and died. Or spears. Or spears or something. Yeah, yeah. I remember it was like basically he didn't even get onto the island. Mm-hmm. Um, and really. then people were trying to figure out how to recover um, his body. Yeah, because you couldn't get, get there. Yeah. Granted, I think that, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that he had bad intentions. No, I will of say. Not. I think that he may have approached it in a bit of a in too eager of an of a fashion to where like he set himself up for i I don't want to say set himself up for failure because it sounds kind of condescending and i i I were talking about a dead dude that like tried to do a really good thing yeah i don't know he he sort of put him in himself in a position where like it either went he died or he landed and somehow like talked to them and like won some of them over or something. But I mean, that's how every uncontacted tribe was initially at some point. Yeah, exactly. So that's the thing. It's like, I, I, more than anything, I'm wondering like how the heck have they stayed uncontacted like that long? Yeah. (laughs) For real. Like, wait a second. It's, but like, and that, like, not even from a Christian view, but don't you think they could benefit from having contact with the outside world and certain advancements that we have medicine and, all Who sorts knows, of technological yeah. advancements and right. like, wouldn't it just be good for them? I don't know. Actually, maybe that could be a whole different debate or conversation. Yeah. But could also be bad for them too. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I don't know their way of life totally, but 10 year olds who are addicted to their phones. It's like, I don't know if that's a lot better. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, get those kids on those phones. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a tough one. I think there's sort of a nuanced answer there where, I do think that he was doing a good thing in trying to spread the gospel to them. Yeah. I don't know if the ways that he went about that would have actually been effective. And so to me, I feel like more than anything, at least in our day and age, he could have potentially stood chance, like stood a better chance, taking more time, maybe going with more people doing something different. I I don't know what that is. I'm not like here to give you some answer on it. I do think he could have potentially done a little bit more planning there. Yeah. I, I would have to do more research too into why they have remained uncontacted for so long. Yeah. And why nobody else has tried to help like reach them with other goods, you know, right. not, not necessarily Christianity, but like I said, medicine or other ways to help them out. Who knows what's going on there? But yeah. So thanks again, Alan, for sending that. Really stoked that you gmailed us. Feel free to Gmail us again. <laughs> yeah, we love Gmail. We, really we love getting love Gmailed. Gmailed. <laughs> we'll hang out in the Google chat ri- chat room, Google Hangouts with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, love you. Bye. <laughs> Wait, anything else that you want to add, Jules? Any thoughts that you have? No. Krista? No. Ethan? No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, (laughs) (laughs) not me either yeah okay well okay now we can wrap it up love you bye love you bye love you bye